The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. 
to base my devotional this morning on one of the two most familiar passages in the entire Bible, the 23rd Psalm. It reads thus, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me and protect me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil until my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All of that first part is full of beautiful promises that he will supply my necessities and sustain my life and restore my soul. The psalmist goes on to proclaim that the Lord will provide guidance in right paths and will be with us even in the darkest times of our lives and will provide us with protection. But the next part is the part that I want to focus on this morning. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <clears throat> Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6.12 that our enemies are not other people or circumstances. He reminds us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Those powers are the very same forces that have battled against man in the Garden of Eden. They still use the exact same tactics that the serpent used when he addressed Eve. Namely, to get us to take our eyes off of God and focus our attention on something or someone else. Genesis says that Eve shifted her attention and trust away from God and trusted her own judgment. She thought that she knew the course for her life better than God did. Jesus invites us to join him at his table this morning in the presence of our enemies. But what are our enemies? Well, they're whatever is in our lives that causes us to focus on ourselves. Because you see, that's in reality what we really do. That's what we're guilty of. We shift our focus to place ourselves in the center instead of God and trusting Him in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. So, we might have, who might some of those enemies be? Anger? Resentment? Unforgiveness, envy, lust, pride, disease, like cancer or heart condition or diabetes, the loss of a loved one, divorce, 
self-pity, depression, finances, widowhood, just worry in general, unemployment. The list just keeps going and going. But Jesus invites us to join him at this table in the presence of those enemies. And when we gather around a table to eat with a friend, what do we do? We talk. We share our deepest needs and our concerns. We tell them about the enemies that are plaguing us. And Jesus desires for us to do just that. And then he wants to anoint our heads with the healing oil of his Holy Spirit. And dress those wounds and address those enemies in his power. And in so doing, he wants to assure us that his mercy and goodness will accompany us and that he will go through all of the valleys as well as the good times and take us safely to his home where we will live forever. So he invites us to join him now and let him minister to us and refocus our trust from ourselves and our weakness to him and his power to overcome this world and our circumstances. He reminds us that we don't have the answers. As a matter of fact, we don't need the answers. Let me remind you, we walk by faith and not by sight because he's got the answers. So let's pray. Father, you are in this place healing every heart, overcoming our brokenness and fears. Truly you are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, and the light in our darkness. We ask you to join us at this table. We ask that you would overcome our fears and our worries and restore our trust in you and your ability to deal with our life circumstances. We thank you for your grace and mercy that forgives us for our wavering ways. Thank you for giving us your very life to redeem us from the pit and your promises to faithfully walk with us until you take us to dwell in your home forever. In your precious and mighty name, we pray. Amen. Mrs. McKeel was in the checkout line at Walmart. She had finally ventured out after COVID, uh, a little elderly lady that lived by herself. Uh, she'd been shut in basically for a, a long period of time, but she's starting to run out of stuff and her her uh, disab uh, disability check had arrived. And so she ventured out, she put her mask on and went to the Walmart. She started picking up things, nothing fancy, just a basket full, and uh, started putting stuff on the conveyor belt. As it came through, it totaled up $173. She started digging in, and she counted out her money, and she realized she's $23 short. So she started talking to the young girl, Anna, that was the checkout girl. She's 19. She's a college student. Uh, can you put some of the stuff back? I just, I'm not going to be able to pay for this. She put some of the stuff back, and Anna... Like I said, a college student trying to pay her own way through college said, well, why, man? Why are you putting stuff back? She said, well, I can't afford it. So Anna reaches in her pocket and pulls out a 20 and a 5 and said, go ahead. You put those things back in your, your bag and, and it'll be fine. And, and 
Mrs. McKeel was very appreciative and hugged her and thank you, thank you, so kind. And, and her manager, Anna's manager, was watching her do this. She came over and she said, why'd you do that? I mean, we can't do that all the time. You're going to run out of money. You can't, you can't do that to everybody. And she said, well, I have a grandmother. I'd, I'd hope that somebody would be watching out for her. And this was essential stuff. It wasn't frivolous. It was stuff she really needed. And let's be honest, we're in this together. Life sometimes catches us short, doesn't it? Sometimes we're in need, and sometimes it's, it's embarrassing. We all need a little help from time to time. Can I get an oh yeah from everybody? Because we need grace that's more than just what we're doing to get by. The line in that intro that uh, Franklin shows, Set your face to Zion and see. Great things has our God yet to bring. All too often we're pilgrims. That's what that song is called, Pilgrims. And we're pilgrims heading out on a path of life. And we need essential things. And sometimes it gets weary. So don't lose heart. The journey is long. We're starting a new series called Songs for the Journey. The Psalms of Ascent. In the book of Psalms, in the Psalter as it were, there is a small uh, mini book chapters 120 through 134 that are called the songs of ascent these are the songs the israelites sang on the pilgrim feasts uh the pilgrimage feast three times a year jewish people would make the pilgrimage back to jerusalem at these feasts the first one is called pesach everybody say pesach that is what we call Passover, and it's usually held in the spring. It represents the Old Testament when the death angel passed over. We also refer to it as Easter. Okay, that's another one that, that we see. Uh, the second one is not long after that. Seven, it's 50 days after that. It's called Shavuot. Everybody say Shavuot. No, you're doing all right, getting better. And we call that Pentecost. Pente, 50. Uh, it's 50 days after Passover, and then the the third one is in the fall. It's called Sukkot. Say Sukkot. It's spelled spelled S U K K O T, and it sounds like suck it when you say it, but uh, when you look at it. But that's not how it's pronounced. It's pronounced Sukkot. It held, it is held on the fifteenth day of the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. Problem: None of us know what a Jewish calendar is. Doesn't make any sense to us. We use what's called a Roman calendar. On our Roman calendar in the year 2022, uh, Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tents, starts on October 9th, 2022. That's next Sunday. I think it's very appropriate that we start this right now because ordered in the Torah, a, a, a Jew would know these things. It would know that I'm supposed to make this trek three times a year. Families would travel together sometimes for weeks. They would have a family reunion in the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the holy city, uh, to three of the world's largest living religions. Did you know, realize that? Three of the world's largest living religions call this place home. Judaism, Christianity, and Muslim. All 
claim this city as their city. You're looking from the Garden of Gethsemane. That gold thing right in the middle is called the Dome of the Rock. That is where the Temple Mount is, and that is Muslim-controlled area. And Jerusalem is up on a hill. Now, I know we're at about 4,000 feet sea level. It wouldn't really matter to us. But as they would walk this natural incline from the Sea of Galilee or from the Med, they're at sea level, they would go up to 2,700 feet. It's an incline, and it, it would be an uphill trek to Jerusalem. Now, in the old days before MP3s or CD players or, or DVD players in a car, some of us grew up when you had, all you had was AM radio and it ran out, that you would sometimes sing. Anybody in here used to do that in the cars? You'd travel, you'd sing sometimes church songs, you'd just try to kill the time. And that is exactly what is going on here, except it's not to kill the time, it is to prepare as we ascend the holy hill. Now, some have suggested all 15 of these from 120 to 134 are in order, and, and that's how they sing them. And that may be true. I really don't know. I wasn't there, and they didn't consult me when they were putting them together. But, so I, I don't know if it's actually in order, but I do think they have specific lessons in each one of them. Another fun note about this city, specifically the Temple Mount, you're on the eastern steps here, for, for an Orthodox Jew, this would be the way they would enter before the Muslims bricked over it. But these steps right here, there's 15 of them. There's 15 psalms. And Orthodox Jews still to this day will go to the very first step and they will sing or chant Psalm 120. And then they will step up to the next step and they will sing or chant Psalm 121. And this is, this is how they ascend in a specific way. Uh, I wanted to call this series Stairway to Heaven. But I figured Robert Plant would be all mad at me about it and want royalties. So I, I, so just this lesson is called Stairway to Heaven. There may be other Led Zeppelin references later on. We don't know. But these are the psalms. These psalms are the music of an uphill journey. Problem. Not a lot of us in this room are going to make that pilgrimage thrice annually. True. It's a long way over to Jerusalem. It's expensive. We got jobs. This is hard. Not a lot of us are going to make this. We don't speak a lot of this. Why does this matter, Don? I'll tell you this why. These songs can be metaphoric for our own spiritual journeys. Have you ever, in your spiritual journey, been in some lowlands? Can I get an oh yeah? And and we are. Sometimes we're in the low places. Sometimes we're in the hinds feet on high places point. You know what I'm talking about? The mountaintop experience. Things are good. We've been in all of those levels in our spiritual walk. And these verses can speak to us as well. Victor Hugo once wrote, Music expresses that which cannot be put into words and that which cannot remain silent. Music is emotional. And, and it creates emotion, fear, and anticipation, or joy. And I can prove it to you in one thought. Movie soundtracks. Your movie and TV soundtracks are a $5 billion industry, and they work very specifically to get songs to go right, to create a mood. The, the horror movies, you know the sound when something bad's about to happen. You know when Jaws is coming. I mean, let's go. I mean, we all know that. How many of you saw in 2000, Tom Hanks had a movie called Castaway? 
Unless he cast away. Uh, main character in that one is not Tom Hanks. It's Wilson. We all know that. Wilson was the important part of that story. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Wilson was a volleyball. He was a, stranded on an island. But what you may not realize, the movie producers and the music producers, nearly every scene where he is on the island doesn't have music. They specifically, the, the directors wanted to create a sense of he's all alone. There's no movie soundtrack to our life. He is all alone and he has got to figure that out. And we know that music creates energy. How come Indiana Jones has really up music? You know, we know he's coming. Oh, the heroes to the rescue. How come Darth Vader has... You know, it's a minor key. It's, ugh, it's oh, the bad guys coming, right? We know emotion comes from music. And the writers are, are challenging us to use music to change our place, as it were. And in this study, you're going to see themes on our relationship with God. In the readings, we're going to challenge you to read and be in the Scriptures with us. You're going to see some, some of you are going to have a Bible, and you're going to see the word Lord with a capital L and O-R-D. When it's stated like that, it's usually translating the Hebrew word Adonai. Adonai references God's lordship and his position as as maker. But some of you will, uh, in other verses, you'll see capital L and capital O and capital R and capital D. And sometimes, you know, they've made it smaller. That references the Hebrew word Yahweh. In our language, that's what, what it would mean. And the Yahweh reference is, He is our covenant maker. He is the promise keeper. He is the way maker. You see all of these things. And sometimes you're going to see the word God. All right, It just means God. Elohim is what it's translating there. That is the creator God. All of these from the same word are going to create different images of our God. Now, we're not going to go through all, we're not going to go 15 weeks of this, okay? Your notes today say 121 and 126. We're only going to do 121 because I got to put it all together and it was going to be like a three hour sermon and I didn't figure y'all would be really cool with that. So we're just going to do 121 today. But, and we're not going to do them more order. We're going to bounce them around. But I had heard a wise guy once say, we sing our prayers and we pray our songs. And that's what I I hope that we get throughout this study, that we are singing of our declaration, but we are praying how we are feeling. Does that make sense? Because sometimes we need a little help on the journey. Now, if you've been with us for the past four or five weeks, we've spent five to six weeks in one chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. And it was all about authentic faith. And an authentic Christ follower is going to view God's mercy, offer his body as a living sacrifice. We are all gifted. We are going to put him first. We're not going to have the patterns of this world. We're going to have different habits, right? Well, this is going to give us a chance to live it out. You see, when we open the Bible specifically to the Old Testament, we are getting to eavesdrop on an ancient biblical journey. I've said this before. The Bible is not written to us. It's written for us. Do you hear that? We're not the recipients. It wasn't written to America. It was written to Hebrews of that time. But we get it from this. And we, we, we get to get from this. So when we're reading it, we're looking over the shoulder of ancient heroes. And these are not just songs or poems. These are maps for the trip. 
So I'm going to invite you to join me in Psalm 121. That's where we're going to start today, 121. And we're going to do something as they would do in the readings in the synagogues. We're going to invite you, if you're able, to stand as we read God's Word together. Every week I'm going to invite you to have your Bibles open, your app open. I'm fine with that. Today I'm going to read from NIV. I might use different versions for different wordings. But I'm going to invite you to have your Bibles open, to have your apps open and looking at these and reading along in your head as we study and we declare God's Word together as a church family. Psalm 121, a song of ascent. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Thank you and amen. Have a seat as we worship and study God's Word together. He starts out with this phrase, I lift my eyes to the hills. Question, how do you prepare for a long trip? You, I mean, how do you prepare? Put it this way, I'm not talking to drive to Lubbock or Clovis. I'm talking like you're going to be in the car for a couple of weeks. See if this wouldn't make sense. Would it not benefit you to take your car to CNS or somewhere, get the oil changed, check the tires, you know, fluids, belts, Obviously, you can't predict every possible thing out there, but wouldn't it make sense to go check that out? You know, just get it checked out, look in there, make sure everything's kind of all, the tires are not bad or worn or anything like that. And then you would, you would get ready and you would pack, wouldn't you? And, and to pack, you'd probably check the weather or, you, or you'd know where you were going. I mean, if you're going to Tahiti, I doubt you're going to need a parka. I mean, you know, things like that. And, and how would we, uh, we would we would know a general itinerary or a map, wouldn't we? I mean, now some of you are really great people, and you just go, "Hey, we're just going to go where the road takes us." God bless you. I, I my my I can't handle that. All right, I, I, I'm too type A. I got to have a map. All right, and and you're going to have an idea of where you're headed. True? Isn't that a fair assessment of a big road trip? Here's another question then: How do we pack for church? How do we pack for being in the presence of God? Do we set our eyes on the holy city? Do we get our mind on worship? As you were driving today, God, just just be there and, and change me and transform me today. Did we ask those questions? You see, because these people that are singing these songs are taking days, even weeks, as we would be right now, a week prior to the Festival of Tabernacles, they would be walking, they would be singing these songs right now. Set your face to Zion. Zion, another name for Jerusalem. Set my face to the holy city of God where God is. I want to be there. I want to go to those mountains. Mountains have prominence all throughout Scripture, don't they? A lot of things happen on mountains. Uh, Abraham took Isaac up on Mount Moriah. Uh, We had the law given on Mount Sinai. We had uh, 
we have the transfiguration of Christ on on a mountain. Uh, it's called Mount Olivet. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, uh, fighting it out. Who's better? Our God's bigger. And then, of course, Mount Calvary. The hinge pin for all of our faith is that mountain. And I'm specifically talking to Portalis people right now. Most of us like to go to the mountains, don't we? I mean, Ridosa, Angel Fire. Now, that's, that's real. We like the mountains. Fresh air. Maybe, you know, if it's in the summer, you go fishing, you go hiking, you, you look around. It's just so nice to be. It's cooled off. Maybe it's in the winter, you go and maybe you go skiing. Or maybe you just go to the cabin and you build a fire and you get hot chocolate and, and you just hang out and watch the snow. But, but to us flatlanders, mountains are cool, right? Well, we like the mountains. But in these people's time, the mountains may not have been that great of a place. They weren't mountain resorts to begin with. They were hills. And a lot of those mountains had caves in them. And that's where the bandits would hang out. That's where the robbers would live. So you went walking up there, you could get mugged. That's where the wild animals would live. There could be bad things happen to you. That's where a lot of the pagan cultures would have their temples was up in the hills. And they would frequently have a, a temple in the town, and then the really bad stuff would happen out in the mountains. So to us, mountains seem like a place of joy and a place of hope and salvation, but to them it could have been danger and fear. And he says, so where do I go for help? How many of you have seen that T-shirt or that meme that says, Let's eat grandma, let's eat, comma, grandma, punctuation matters. How many of you have seen that, right? Because we don't need to be eating our kinfolk, okay? Now, I say that because punctuation matters. A lot of us were raised on the King James version of this, where it says, I will lift my eyes, mine eyes unto the hills, comma, from whence cometh my help. Now, it could be contrived from that, that my help comes from the mountains, it could, be, uh, it could be postulated that, and it could even imply that our help is only found in mountainsides. But later versions, including the New King James that came in on top of that, and newer versions, they took that comma and they turned it into a dash. And punctuation matters, and here's why. I think the writer starts out, he, he starts out with a statement, I'll lift my eyes to the hills, and he shifts into a question. Where am I going to find my help? We would call that an internal dialogue. He's asking himself a question. Let's see if I can illustrate it this way. How many of you have ever asked questions when you're going on a trip like, okay, so we're going there. What if we don't have a place to stay when we get there? Or what if we get there and something happens here? What if there's an emergency here? Who can I call to go and check my house if the, and find out if the water heater burst and it flooded the whole house? Have you ever had those conversations in your head? All right. That, wouldn't that be talking to yourself? What if the writer here is, is talking to himself? He's saying, I lift my, hell, my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And he starts looking around, where am I going to get help? And he looks inside himself, what am I going to do? And then he looks up. My help comes from the Lord. He's speaking to himself. He's speaking truth to himself. He's speaking that I get my help from God. Question, 
Why is this often our last resort? And I'm not pointing fingers and I'm not griping, but why is worry and fretting often our first go? You know what I mean? I, I, that's, that's where I would oh yeah that, because fretting and worrying when struggles happen, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? How am I going to do? Why is that my go-to? Why is that the, the, my first response? You see, the writer comes in here in the next few verses, look at this, and he says that God will never leave us. Look at the phrases he uses. He will not let you stumble. He will watch over you while you sleep. There's even one that was in that last song, Defender. He will provide you shade from the heat, pro- protective shade. These are the characteristics of God. And I think the writer is asking a question and he is answering it by declaring the truth of God. And he's teaching us a very powerful lesson. When our journey is difficult, when, let me just put it this way, when your journey is difficult, when, when the trip is not going the way it wants to, you need to speak truth to you. You hear me? You need to speak God's truth to you. When the life is not working out and when things are not going the way you want, you need to speak His truth to you. I don't, I don't know how you make a way, but I know you will. Hallelujah, you have saved me. It's so much better your way. Did you hear the lyrics to those songs? We pray our songs and we, pray, we, we sing our prayers and we pray our songs. Friends, how we speak to ourselves... The psalmist is teaching us that how we talk to ourselves, that that inner dialogue, it's important. Now, we all know our enemy is just what Scott was saying. He's going to come and he's going to whisper to us about all these things that are going wrong. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's problems. And and all we do is start focusing on this. And the writer is saying, you know what? Put your eyes where they need to be on him. Speak the words you need to hear. His words. And I want you to see something in verse 6. This was fun. Uh, where it says, uh, sun shall not strike you by day. How many of you have had sunburn? How many of you had that lake sunburn? You know what I mean? That's a different kind of sunburn. You know, that you've been out there on the boat all day and then you come in and, I think I'm going to die. You know, that, that sunburn? All right, we know how the sun can strike us. Any of you really worried about moonburn? It's not a big problem, is it? We're, we're not really... We don't have a lot of fear of the moon unless it explodes and we're all showered with blue cheese. So, I mean, we don't really care what happens, all right? That's not a big deal to us, but I think we lose something in the translation. In fact, I know I lost something in the translation until I started looking at different commentaries. In this culture, and this who it was written to, they have a great superstition about the night, about the, the moon. There's a lot of discussion about the moon. In Matthew chapter 17, there's a guy It says he is overcome with seizures and he throws himself into the fire every night. Do we remember that story? And he comes to Jesus, can you help us? And Jesus helps to cast the, the demon out. But well, when it says seizures, some of the newer translations translate that to epilepsy. And it actually doesn't say that. The actual translation from the Greek translates better this word, moonstruck. And I ain't talking Cher and Nick Cage, all right? Eh, Snap out of it, all right? That's a good good line. But uh, they believed 
They believed the moon brought danger. Night. I mean, that's where bad things happen is in the dark, right? Uh, how many of you heard the word lunatic? Lunatic. Luna meaning, the base root, root word luna means moon. You're a crazy person at night, okay, is what it, that, that really leads to. You see, what is going on there, what is really happening in the Lord's work is He is saying that you need to get your eyes focused on Him. You need to get it where He is talking. He says... Listen that God is going to be with you in day and be in night. Let's be honest. Sometimes uh, people deal with struggles at nights, true? The night's where the bad stuff happens. The night's where the bad thoughts are happening. Kids need a, a nightlight, right? Sometimes adults do too. <laughs> Sometimes we need one, but it's usually just to find our way to the bathroom. But um, Some people deal with insomnia. Some people deal with... Night fears and stresses. And I'm not here to be a psychologist. I'm just telling you that the psalmist gives us a clear glimpse of how to deal with fear. He says, speak God's truth. He will not harm you. The, the sun will not strike you. The moon will not strike you. Speak the goodness of God. All I want and all I need is found in you. We sang that earlier. You might be sitting there, but Don, you don't, you don't get it. I need help right now. All I'm seeing is poetry. These words don't rhyme. Hey, you know what? I think we all come to a point where we feel like God has forgotten us. Hey, and if you're not there, praise God. I'm, hallelujah. I, I hope you never get there, but I think a lot of us do. And I got a hunch there are people in this room and people online that are wondering, does God even notice me? Does God... Am I even in the plan anywhere? heard a guy say this one time, God is always around when I don't need Him, but when trouble hits and I need Him, He goes into hiding. I disagree with it, but it's real. It's real. It's a guy feel. Everyone hits a point of doubt where they, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through it? I don't deserve mercy. I'm never going to get better. Things are never going to change. Friends, it is in those moments when work is miserable, when health goes crazy, that we need to speak what God speaks and listen to what God says. Speak over and over His words. And look closely at, at verse 8. It says, The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go. I wanted to make the real focus on the Lord watch over you, but real key to this thing is the phrase, as you come and go. The key phrase there is, it's a Hebrew way of re expressing routine. I had a friend that used to pray, uh, Father, as, as days come and go, that we walk with you. And I love that phrasing. And I love the way he said that. It was so powerful that God is with us even in the routine. I want to speak specifically to moms that are out there. Do some of you get caught up in 